So anyway, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Let's try that again. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? There we go. All right. If you have your Bibles, open them up, turn them on. We are going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 is uh, where we are going to be this morning. And uh, we started a new series a couple weeks ago simply titled Wise Man, Wise Words. Wise Man, Wise Words. Words And uh, we've been kind of going through just some different wisdom in Scripture, teaching us about uh, our lives and what we can do uh, in order to, to honor God uh, in that. And uh, the passage that we're going to talk about today in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and it'll be in verses 9 through 12, um, it, it's a pretty important passage. It's, it's a passage that's quoted a lot, even among non-Christians, uh, when they look at themselves and when they look at their lives. It's a topic for us as men that we don't really talk about a whole lot. It, it almost even makes us uncomfortable. And the topic is simply called friendship. That's the topic that we're talking about today. The topic is friendship. And for guys and us talking about friendship, it might make us feel just slightly uncomfortable. Now, women, they can sit around and they can talk about friendship and they have books on friendship and stuff like that. And that's fine, good and dandy. But for us as guys, we really don't talk about this very much. And scripture says so much about it. So today I want to take a few minutes and I'm going to try and be as quick as I can so that we can do something here at uh, the end. But uh, I, I just want to talk about friendship uh, just for a few minutes. Now, Jim Hayes once said this, and I quote, A good friend will help you move, but your best friend will help you move a dead body. How many of you are with me on that? All right. A good friend will help you move, but a best friend will help you move a dead body. One of the things I appreciate as I was <clears throat> thinking about this topic today is is that uh, uh, our deacon leadership, and I don't know if Mike Cantrell is here. Is Mike here? Oh, he is? Okay, well, I guess we can't talk bad about him. But one of the things Mike Cantrell always does, and I was thinking about this as I was preparing for our time here this morning, is every time there is a men's gathering and Mike Cantrell stands up there and he talks to us, you know what he always says at the end? He always says, all right, now, men, and I can't talk like him. I have this high, girly voice. He has a nice, deep voice, but he's like, all right, now, men, men, I want y'all to... Stay here for as long as you can. I want you to linger, and I want you to fellowship. I want you to linger, and I want you to fellowship. And today, I'm going to try and get done as quick as I can so that we can spend a little time lingering and fellowshipping and building friendships. Um... When you go and you start to read uh, in a lot of psychology books, you start to read about all the studies that are done on friendship, you begin to discover and to realize how important it is to have friends and to be a friend yourself. God created us to be social beings. God created us, as Mike Cantrell would say, to linger and to fellowship. God created us to do that. And COVID proves that point. Because in COVID, we all isolated. And what happened? We saw depression, what? Skyrocket. We saw suicides. Skyrocket. We saw loneliness. Skyrocket. Why? Because people missed 
interacting with each other. The first time we came back uh, on Tuesday mornings, y'all would not shut up. Why? Because it was, hey, I haven't seen you in forever, and hey, it's good to talk to you, and Zoom is okay, but it just doesn't do the job. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And it's good to get together, and to high-five, and to shake hands, and to bump fists. And to interact with each, each other. The Mayo Clinic wrote a report, and this is what they said. The report is titled, Friendships Enrich Your Life and Improve Your Health. And it states this, Friends, and I quote, Friends play a significant role in promoting your overall health. Adults with strong social support have a reduced risk of many significant health problems, including depression, high blood pressure, and an unhealthy body mass index, BMI. I didn't know that the lack of friends has something to do with your weight. Anyway, it says this, studies have even found that Older adults with a rich social life are likely to live longer than their peers with fewer connections. I was hunting in New Mexico several years ago, and I'm hunting with, uh, with my father and, and a couple of, of friends, and, and we're there hanging out, and I noticed there, was this, uh, there were these other two guys, and it looked like it was a father and a son. And so I've seen him, you know, kind of over the past couple days. And so while we were at the lodge, I just kind of walked over there and I introduced myself. And I said, so uh, are you guys kind of here like me and my father? And they were like, well, sort of. And I was like, well, uh, what do you mean? I thought, y'all, are y'all not related? And the older gentleman said, no, we, we are not related. We, uh, we are just hunting buddies. And I said, oh, really? And it was this older gentleman and what looked like his... His son, you know, about a 30-year-old guy and then, a, you know, about a 65-year-old guy. And I said, oh, really? I said, this is a, a, an awful expensive trip to come just for hunting buddies. And uh, the, the younger man said, well, we met a couple years ago while we were on a hunting trip. Neither of our wives enjoy hunting. None of our friends hunt because we're in uh, uh, Pennsylvania, you know, and they don't, they're not big hunters up there. And so we kind of met, and out of hunting, we, we just began to go on hunting trips together. And, and that's what we do uh, together. We enjoy traveling the world, and we will go on, on hunting trips. And they've been to Alaska and, and uh, Africa and all these great places to go hunt. And that acquaintance built into a friendship. There are different levels of, of friendship, and a lot of us know this. I won't go through this, but there are really four different levels of friendship. The first one is that of the acquaintance. An acquaintance is a person you know, um, but they are not a close friend. They're, they're a person that you run into the hallway, uh, you run into in the hallway, and you say hi, and you feel comfortable with them just in a group setting. Then there is a casual friend. A friend is a, uh, this person is one who is more emotionally attached. Uh, you feel comfortable meeting with this person one-on-one. -on -one. Then there is the close friend. It is a person who you spend time with uh, regularly and someone that you can depend on. You feel comfortable reaching out to this person at any time. And then there is somebody called the intimate friend. It is someone you can share just about or you can share anything with. 
Uh, it's amazing when Facebook came out, you know, there was always that friend request and it became a thing when Facebook first started. Of course, how many friends do you have? How many friends do you have? But here's my question, and this is the reality of it, is how many friends do you have on Facebook that are really truly your friend? How many? One, two, maybe three. Half of them you probably don't even like. I don't know. So in the passage that we are going to touch upon today, it's read a lot in weddings. But really, this passage has nothing to do uh, in, in the sense with, with, with the marital relationship. It, it does to an extent, but really it's not written with marriage in mind. It's written more with friendship in mind, and we're going to get to that here in a second. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12, it says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend, look at this, if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. Also, if two lie down Together they will keep warm, and how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Real quick, there are two thoughts from this passage. Thought number one is this. Friends are a resource, so be a resource. You be a resource. Look there in verse 9, it says, Two are better than one because... They have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Look at that. But pity the man who falls and he has nobody to turn to. He has no one to look to to help him up. Friends can provide so much. They can provide wisdom. They can provide experience. They can provide counsel. They can provide help. They can also provide entertainment, and they can provide so much more. You know, the greatest, uh, one of the greatest assets the church has uh, is its friendliness. Um, I get the privilege of calling people that visit, and there are several things that they always say. I mean, 99.9999% of the time, 100% of the time, they always say this. When we come to Cottonwood, you know, they can say stuff about the pastor and the music and all that stuff, but everything else that they say is this, is they say, man, that a friend, y'all are a friendly group. Y'all are a friendly group. And we didn't expect that when we came to a big church. Y'all are so friendly. And why do people join churches? They join churches, number one, because the Word of God is spoken, but then secondly, they, they join because hey, people are friendly. People will not only be friendly, but they will actually be a friend to each other. Rodney Dangerfield once said this, Once I told my old man, nobody likes me. He said, don't say that. Everyone hasn't met you yet. <laughs> Friendship is an investment into each other. That's what it is. Friendship is an investment into each other without the feeling of indebtedness. That's what it is. It is an investment in each other without the feeling of indebtedness. And we do things for our friends without the expectation of payback. So real quick, what is a friend? 
Four, four things. Number one, friends help when called upon. Friends help when called upon. When you look at Abishai and Joab, they are generals in, in David's army. They're also brothers. But it's one thing to be blood. It's another thing to be blood and to be friends. And we see in Scripture that they are friends. And so they are going out to battle with, uh, for David. And we see here in this passage what happens in 2 Samuel chapter 10, verses, uh, verses 11 and 12. Joab said, If the Armenians are too strong for me, then you are to come to my rescue. But, but if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come to rescue you. Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is right in His sight. Here we see Joab and Abishai, and they're sitting there talking, and finally one of them says, Hey, listen, if you get in trouble, you, you let me know, and I'm going to show up with me and my army, and we'll make sure we help you out. Hey, if I'm struggling, I'm going to call on you. You, come help me. Are we agreed? Oh, yeah. We're going to do that. Friends help when called upon. Friends are also faithful. Friends are also faithful. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, it says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. At times, friends can be our family. They will stick through us through thick and thin when nobody else will. Not even family. Sometimes family might walk away. Sometimes your family might even be troubled. I often think of, of uh, Afshin Ziafat. If you don't know who he is, he's, he's the pastor down in, uh, down in Frisco. And at the young age of uh, 22, being raised in a Muslim family, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And guess what? His family disowned him. Family disowned him, as the Muslim culture does. And so, who did he turn to? We began to turn to Christian friends. And all of a sudden, these Christian friends, they became his family. They took care of him when his family refused to. Third thought is this, is friends bring wisdom for the purpose of benefiting you. Friends bring wisdom for the purpose of benefiting you. Proverbs 27, 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. The pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel counsel. Number four, friends are closer physically. Friends are closer physically. And here's what I mean by this, is we live in a world that is highly mobile. You can go from one country to the next in a matter of hours. When used to, it would take weeks. Now we can fly all around the world and there are families that are spread out all over the world. All over this country even. There are some of you that you live here and your parents live in another state and your 
brothers or sisters and siblings live in another state and cousins live in another state. We are all spread out. And when something happens, it's good for friends to show up because family, they can't be there. Proverbs 27.10, it says, Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father, and do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. C.S. Lewis said this, Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. Isn't that true? What? You too? I thought I was the only one that that happened to me. What I love about the New Testament is in Paul's writings, when he's writing letters to different churches all throughout uh, the, the Roman Empire, whether it's to, to uh, Galatia or those in Thessalonica or, or to whomever, he always begins and ends his, his letters with this, you know, uh, you know hey, uh, greetings to you in the love of, of Jesus Christ, and say hi to, and then he'll go on this list, you know, say hi to Rick and tell him to keep up the good faith, and say hi to Betty and tell her she makes good pies, and say hi to, you know, whoever, and say hi to this person, and say hi to that person, and don't, don't forget about uh, these folks, and just know that I'm always thinking about you and praying for you, and this, that, and the other. And he goes through lists of people and names, to say hi to. Hey, these are my friends. These are the people I really know. But real briefly, I do want to touch upon this, is marriage should also have a friendship. We have friends, of course, men outside of our marriage, but of course, we also need to be a friend in our marriage. Um, unfortunately, I have seen men treat their friends better than they treat their wife. Are you all with me on that? I've seen men treat their friends better than they treat their wife. Um, when people come in for marital counseling or premarital counseling, one of the first questions I always ask is, do you like each other? And especially in premarital counseling, they're always in love and They'll say, oh, no, we love each other. And I said, that wasn't the question. I figured that. The question is, do you like each other? In other words, are you friends? Are you friends? Do you have that same relationship with your spouse, with your wife, that you have with people beyond the walls of your house? Listen to how Solomon's future wife speaks about him. In Song of Solomon chapter 5, verse 16, she says this, His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. This is my lover. All right? And then she says this, This is my friend. This is my lover, but then this is also my friend. Four things you can do real quick to be a friend to your spouse. Number one, enjoy time together. Enjoy time together. A couple in church uh, just recently became in empty nesters, and um, they had some time together. 
and there was uh, some work to do around the house. And the husband said, hey, honey, how about we just skip all this work and let's go take a quick getaway. Let's just get out of here. And let's just go spend some time together. Let's just go hang out because we ain't got no kids. So we can go and do whatever we want. Number two, get excited about the things they're excited about. Get excited about the things they're excited about. Just like when my friends, when they call and say, hey, I'm really excited about this. Hey, you know, hey, I'm happy for you. I'm thrilled for you. Yeah, I'll come over there and look at that. I'll come over there and hang out. Man, when my wife gets excited about something, sure. Show me. Tell me about it. I want to know. Another thing you can do to be a good friend to your spouse is you can make them feel good about themselves. You can make them feel good about themselves. Tell them that they're doing a good job. Hey, I'm impressed. Hey, that's really cool, honey. Those are some of the same things I would tell my friends. Hey, that's cool. I wouldn't use the word honey. <laughs> but I would say, hey, that's cool. That's fascinating. That's interesting. Tell me more. And then fourthly, one of the ways you can be a friend in your marriage is you can put them first. You can put them first. Hey, babe, what do you need? Honey, what can I do for you? How can I, how can I help you? Second thought is this, and then we're done. The second thought is that God is our friend. Be a friend. Be a resource. But secondly, God is our friend. We see in this passage, God is our friend. It says this, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Um, how many of y'all been in church for more than 20 years? How many of y'all been in church? Okay, so we've sung a lot of songs. We've sung, sung a lot of songs in that time. Uh, one of the songs is uh, called I Am a Friend of God. Have y'all heard that song? I am a friend of God. Y'all with me? I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. I hate that song. I hate that song. I hate that song. Now most of you hate it too. I hate that song. Yeah, bring Audrey. I'll bring my wife next time. I'll let her sing it. I'll be honest. I never really liked that song. I thought it was cheesy. And for the longest time, I thought it was disrespectful. Because God is king. God is Lord. I serve him. God is not my friend. He is the ruler, supreme ruler. And at the end of the day, there will be a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay? However, there's a lot of truth to that song. Because Scripture states that God is our friend. It states that God is our friend. In James chapter 2, verse 23, it says this, And the Scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. He was called God's friend. 
I was like, I wonder where that, I wonder where it says that. Where does it say that Abraham is called God's friend? Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8 through 10. This is a really cool passage. It says this, and this is God talking. This is God talking, and He says this, But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. God says, Abraham is my friend. He's not only my servant, but he's also my friend. Oh, man. I look... I took you from the ends of the earth, from the furthest corners. I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What does God say? Abraham is my friend. And then how does God... Also respond, he says, and I'm a friend to you because I'm going to do exactly what friends do. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to strengthen you and I am going to help you. That's what God says. I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to help you. James chapter 4 verse 4, it says this, you adulterous people. Do you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. As we close out today, gentlemen, who's your friend? First and foremost, I would encourage you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ did not come and die on the cross just only to save you. But He came to have a relationship with you. He came to be a friend to you. And so if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you. Hey, when we're done, come talk to me or Justin the Taller. We'd love to talk to you about how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have 10 minutes until 7 o'clock. I told you I was going to go fast. And I skipped a lot. But I want us to take some time as Mike Cantrell says, into what? Linger. Mike, are you listening? <laughs> Mike, wake up, Mike. Mike, I want us to take some time to do what, Mike? Linger and have fellowship. And I want to encourage you to begin to build friendships. To not be scared of it but rather to uh, begin to invest in others and to allow others to allow others to invest in you and to grow in friendship. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. Thank you for this time we could come here and we could open up your word and learn more about who you are. Father, I pray that men would not only find you as Savior, but they would also find you as friend. And God, I ask that these men here in this room and online, God, that, that the friendships here would grow. That they would strengthen. And that, Father, they would never break. 
Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. It is in your name, Lord Jesus, we ask these things. Amen and amen. Y'all stay around, linger, fellowship. Thank you for having me. Have a good one.